Hey, whether you enjoy listening to Breaking Down Collapse or Building Up Resilience, I think you'll also really enjoy our bonus content on Patreon. Yeah, Kellen and I take 20 minutes each week to talk about the news that's happening all around us and Collapse as it plays out. We like to have a little fun with it, but also make sure that you're aware of what's going on in the world of Collapse. We look forward to having you join us there. The link to join us on Patreon is in the episode description. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, Kellen, it is that time of year. And honestly, I actually was really excited about doing this episode. Last year was the first year that we have done this, even though this is our third December. We kind of started the podcast towards the end of the year the first time around. So this is our second year that we have done sort of a collapse in this year, where we talk about all of the events, not all of, but many of the events that took place how they relate to collapse and how they could impact the future. And I think one of the reasons I really love doing these episodes is because I forget, and I think many of us forget, how epic of a year it really has been. It's so easy to just sort of live our lives and then something happens and it's a big deal and then we just let it go and forget about it. But when you look at it all and you aggregate it all together, we are truly living in unprecedented times. Yeah, I think on one hand, it's really validating as a human being to look back and think, I got through all of that. And maybe that's a chance to say, if you're listening to this, congratulations, pat yourself on the back because you made it through 2022 and it was quite a challenging year. Now, hold on. Before you say you made it through 2022, I do have to point out that this episode goes out on the 28th of December so if you're listening to this the day it came out, you've got a few days left. Don't count your chickens before the hatch. Wow, that's depressing. Some of you might not make it to the end of 2022, but at least you made it through most of it. And I think it's also validating in another way because we talk all the time about what's happening around us and we can see collapse taking place. It's still very niche. There's still not that many people that are aware of the path that we're on. Most of the population is ignorant to it, right? So if you're listening to this, you probably have family members and friends who, when you try to talk to them about collapse, they don't want to hear anything about it. So when you can actually point back to all these things that have happened just in this last year, it's like, okay, I'm not crazy. This really is taking place. Yeah. And obviously the claim that we're making here isn't that this year was so epic that it proves that like we're in the middle of this catastrophic collapse and everything's you know falling apart around us. We are in the slow burn of it all. But I think we can see a pretty clear line from when things started to accelerate. And it feels like that was right around 2020, maybe the end of 2019. And each year since then continues to just be wild. And I'll admit that as I was looking through the events of this last year, I kept thinking, oh man, was that really this year? Like that could have been in 2020 or 2021. And also, I would look at an event that happened in 2020 and be like, I thought that was this last summer. 
like everything is just blending together because of the the pace and the sheer just frequency and volume of things going on around us. So with that, come on, let's dive in and talk about some of these things. I do want to mention this is not going to be an all-inclusive episode. There may be things that we miss out on that we forget to talk about. There's simply too many things to be able to dive in in any detail on all of them. There might be some very important things that happened maybe in your locality or your country that we don't spend a lot of time on or touch on. It doesn't mean they don't matter or that they're not important. It means we have a certain amount of time to do this episode and we're going to touch on the things that um, that we have decided to focus on here that are most relevant to us. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Corey. Of a long list that I noted down that doesn't even include everything, I had to pick and choose certain items from that. As you and I kind of divided up the research on this and, and this look back, this review of 2022, I want to start with things that we saw related to the climate, climate change, natural disasters, that sort of thing. So I'll start by saying that there are certain ways that greenhouse gas emissions are being tracked. And there are places in which you can go see kind of a, an updated count on that. I looked at one report that was published just at the end of November, and it stated that global greenhouse gas emissions for 2022 will be 58 gigatons, the largest annual level ever recorded. New records, baby. Congrats, everyone. We are doing it. Sad that 2020, which did slow us down, was just such a little blip. And we're right back to, uh, you know, growth beyond anything we've had in the past. Yeah. And I think we look at all of the action that's starting to take place, which is still very minimal, but people see like, oh, the government actually cares and is taking these steps and this act was passed and we've got COP27 and we've got all these things. And yet we're not slowing down. In fact, we're breaking records in the amount of greenhouse gas emissions. And it's sad because people probably aren't looking at that. They're not noticing that we're hitting these records. They are looking at what's making all the news, which is what you just described, these promises that are in, being made and agreements and investments and all these things, when in the background, we're just silently continuing forward, business as usual, um, towards sort of the worst case scenario. Agreed. So with that in mind, as I state some of the events that happened in 2022, as you hear them, you'll probably think, oh yeah, I remember that. Like, for example, in Pakistan, you'll remember there was record-breaking rain. That led to extremely intense flooding, at least 1,700 deaths, and 33 million people affected. Supposedly, 7.9 million people displaced. And that came right after an extreme heat wave in India and Pakistan. And if we take a step back, like to think of that many millions of people that severely impacted, I don't think we can really grasp the extent of that. China had the most extensive and long-lasting heat wave since national records began. And apparently it was the second driest summer on record. Um, the Yangtze River was at its lowest recorded level for August. I do remember seeing... Some videos, I mean, this was only a couple of months ago, but videos of people walking across it, basically, um, some satellite footage of parts of that river that were extraordinarily low. Yeah, and unfortunately, that kind of, you know, low lakes and rivers and uh, extreme drought wasn't just restricted to China. There was a lot of that in Brazil, really destructive floods and droughts kind of back and forth. The UK saw a national record when temperatures got up above 40 degrees Celsius for the first time. And again, rivers there, you know, the the Rhine, the Danube were at critically low levels. There was persistent drought, wildfires in Europe. Um, Southern Africa had a series of cyclones. Madagascar in particular had just absolutely torrential rain, devastating floods. You may remember Hurricane Ian and all the extensive damage that was caused in Cuba. And in the United States, as of just recently, December 13th, 2022, 44.51% of the U.S. and Puerto Rico and 53.2% of the lower 48 states are in drought. 
it's gotten to the point in the western United States that there are serious talks about draining Lake Powell. It's getting to a low enough level, it's approaching certain levels where it will actually become a liability. So you consider all of these extreme weather events when global average temperature is estimated to be at 1.15 degrees Celsius above the baseline. 2015 to 2022 are the eight warmest years on record, and that's with La Nina conditions that have actually kept global temperatures relatively low for the past two years. 55% of the ocean surface experienced at least one marine heat wave in 2022. Wow. And at the time that we're recording this, there's this extreme freeze that's going through the United States, causing all sorts of damage. And it's funny how, you know, the United States gets hit by a bunch of snow or extreme cold weather, and people kind of forget. People think like, oh, we've got more snowpack, so I guess we don't need to be worried about drought, right? It's not top of mind or what things are cold, so I'm not thinking about global warming. But as you can see from just what's happened in 2022, we are in a very dire situation. Yeah, we're in this part of the year where drought isn't really being talked about too much, but it's starting to ramp back up. We heard about it a lot in the summer, obviously, into the fall a little bit, but then late fall, early winter, it kind of shuts down. Midwinter, it's when they start bringing it back up again. I've started seeing news reports, like you just mentioned about Lake Powell being drained, and I think over the course of the next month or two, we're going to start seeing again this conversation come up. And what I think is going to be fascinating, because right now we are in this winter with quite a bit of snow, with elevated snowpacks, um, above average for this time of year, for sure. And I think that's putting a lot of people at ease. And I'm sure that there are people out there saying, okay, crisis averted. We got the snow we needed. We're all good to go. And it's going to be interesting to see when spring rolls around and the news doesn't get better, right? The news gets worse because the reality is we don't just need one year of above average snowpack. We need several years of above average snowpack. That's how bad our drought is. And I think um, that hopefully will be a little bit of a wake up call to people to realize this is a climate issue. This is a long term overarching issue that we're dealing with. This is not a year-to-year seasonal problem. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And when it comes to extreme weather events, obviously extreme weather events happened before we were experiencing climate change. Like you can't point to any extreme weather event and say, oh, it was definitely caused by climate change. But the frequency of them increases as our climate changes. At one point in the U.S. this year, in the summer, it was declared that there were six natural disasters in one day. You may remember that there was this heat wave frying Texas and there were bushfires in Alaska and bushfires in Arizona and New Mexico. And there was a derecho in the Midwest and Lake Mead was experiencing drought and there was flooding at Yellowstone National Park and all this was happening in one day. It's just an example of what we can probably anticipate seeing more and more of in the future. When it comes to our climate changing and global warming in particular, there were a lot of records broken when it comes to ice melt. So in the European Alps in 2022, they measured average thickness losses of three to four meters. In Switzerland, 6% of the glacier ice volume was lost between 2021 and 2022. For the first time in history, no snow outlasted the summer season even at the very highest measurement sites there in Switzerland. And if, if I know we're talking about 2022, but if you look back between 2001 and 2022, the volume of glacier ice in Switzerland decreased by more than a third. The Greenland ice sheet lost mass for the 26th consecutive year, and it rained rather than snowed for the first time in September. Yeah, I remember that news seems like there was several different stories that broke throughout the year about significant warming or record-breaking things happening with rain and stuff like that in Greenland. And that is something that I think we'll continue to see a lot more of. You know, even just this last week, I saw a study talking about how the melt in Greenland is 
significantly higher than what we had anticipated previously. That whole faster than expected thing, I, th- I, I think Greenland will be a really big example of that in the years to come. And obviously, like we talked about, this increases natural disasters. It's also having an impact on sea levels, but it's extremely disruptive to natural ecosystems and the environment. So you may remember in 2022, there were a lot of news articles. There was some research that was published about global insect populations and that they're declining at an unprecedented rate of 2% per year. And we had lost something like 65% or 69% just since the 70s. Yeah, and that, I mean, fish and birds, they're, they're typically their primary source of food is bugs and insects. And so it's having these cascading effects on other animal populations and you can point to not just the temperature, you know, global warming, but deforestation and pesticide use and, you know, light pollution. But it wasn't just bugs and birds. In the Bering Sea in 2022, snow crab population dropped from 11.7 billion in 2018 to 1.9 billion in 2022. Like a 90% decrease in a few years. Yeah, about 80%. And while all of these things are happening, we've got all the ice melt and the natural disasters and the sea level rise and the animal populations dying. This was a big year for climate activism. And I don't have an exact count, but there were so many cases of people gluing themselves to art. We probably broke a record for the number of hands glued to art this year. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes they glued themselves to art. Sometimes they threw food at art. Sometimes they tied themselves to soccer goals. Sometimes they tied themselves to tennis nets. And it's hard to say what impact that is having on people's perception. But it was showing up more and more in the news. People are starting to wake up to the fact that this is a real problem and a very serious problem. At the very least, there has been more publicity around it, whether for good or bad. But as they say, is there such thing as bad publicity? Well, Kellen, speaking of another number, a record-breaking number, this year we hit 8 billion people on the planet, officially confirmed sometime in November. That's a lot of people. It's a few, yeah. And so, you know, you're talking here about um, insects and ecosystem degradation and biodiversity loss, and there is a correlation of a growth in the number of humans on the planet and the destruction of these, these ecosystems. That's not to be, you know, taken as sort of like a misanthropic, you know, statement. I'm not against human beings. It's just a, a fact that as we grow in numbers and as we grow in consumption, as we continue to devour more resources and sort of take over the planet in our growth, we are doing irreparable harm to these species, um, which ironically is uh, something that is needed those species, those ecosystems and biodiversity is needed in order for humans to survive. And we are starting to see the impact of that in our internal food supplies, our supply chains, and it's resulting in conflicts and problems around the world. You know, some of those conflicts are exacerbated by other things, um, but famine is a big part of that. So places like Somalia, Ethiopia, Yemen, there are civil wars resulting in a lot of internal displacement um, including a lot of food shortages. And those things could be due to things like drought or famine, issues with ecosystems and biodiversity. We talked recently in a bonus episode about Somalia and about issues that people are facing there with hunger. It's not unique to Somalia. It's happening all over Africa and other parts of the world. Syria right now, there are 14 million people considered in need, and they're in their worst economic situation since the war began over a decade ago. A lot of people, I think, you know, we don't hear about Syria as much as we used to. Um, One might not think that they're, you know, they're in their worst condition yet, but economically speaking, they are. From inflation, worsening drought, water shortages, famine, food insecurity, they are truly struggling. Uh, Another one is Sudan, With political upheaval, inflation, they're experiencing nearly 400% year-over-year inflation. Drought, famine, and conflict, they have 3 million internally displaced and 15 million currently in need. 
Yeah, I was coming through some U.S. statistics. When it comes to food prices, this comes from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. And I'll just share this one brief segment. It says, the consumer price index for all urban consumers increased 8.3% for the year ended August 2022. Over that period, prices for food at home increased 13.5%, the largest 12-month percentage increase since the period ending March 1979. It goes on to say, you know, prices for food away from home increased 8% for the year ended August 2022, the largest over-the-year percentage increase since an 8.4% increase in October 1981. So just here in the U.S., the increase in food prices is something that we haven't seen to this degree for decades. Yeah, and I think that's a great segue to talk about the economic situation in the U.S. and throughout the world in this previous year. You know, inflation started the year at around 7.5% year over year, uh, but it peaked in June at around 9.1% and is back down now to somewhere around 7.1%. But it's interesting because in 2021, it had started the year at 1.4%, which is below the Fed target of around 2%, right? It moved all the way up across uh, throughout the year up to 7% in December, but the annual average was 4.7% year-over-year inflation. That was for 2021. So if 2021 was the year that things really started to shift and change, 2022 was the year that inflation grew and stayed stubbornly high. Our annual average was 8.38% inflation. And of course, the Fed reacted to that and said, we got to raise interest rates. And starting last year, Kellen, we kind of started doing predictions about what the next year was going to bring. And oh man, did I get so many of my predictions wrong? (laughs) Obviously, we had said those predictions are just for fun. We'll do some more at the end of this episode. I got a lot of them very wrong. But one that I got right, I said, next year, feds are going to raise interest rates. And I also said, well, I don't think that's going to have a huge impact on the economy in 2022. I do think it will start to have an effect in 2023. And we saw, you know, those interest rate hikes, there was a lot of them. Um, I think there was a total of seven rate hikes throughout the year. Some of them were a quarter of a percent. Some of them were half. But a few of them were very high at three quarters of a percent, which is not something that's done very often. One area where this had a big impact was in mortgage rates, which increased um, from 3% at the beginning of the year to 7% at its peak. Right now, they've kind of fallen back a little bit to around 6%. But when you consider that you know mortgage rates are double, when you think about the homeless population, when you think about Gen Z or millennials who are thinking about getting into homes, what prices have done over the last couple of years with just absolutely ludicrous inflation, and then add on top of that the increase in interest rates, it's no wonder why so many people are stuck living with their parents, continuing to rent, they're unable to purchase homes right now. It really is a crisis. There's been a large shift in who is owning homes with many corporations and and large entities buying up homes and renting them out uh, to people who can barely afford those rent numbers. And so it will be interesting to see what happens with this housing crisis going into 2023. When it comes to the economy itself, 2022 was an interesting year because there was no big crash, right, or recession or destruction of the economy. As a matter of fact, the government has been reticent to even say we're in a recession, even though when you look at it technically by the GDP rules and things like that, we should be in a recession. It was another one of the sort of predictions that I had made was that 2022 was going to appear to be healthy economy-wise, but under the surface, we were going to see a lot of cracks going into into 2023. And there were things that happened that were uh, rather dramatic with the economy. You know, stock market has struggled a lot. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 8% year to date. Um, And that's after a fourth quarter rally. So we were down much further mid-year. At its low, it was down almost 20%. The S&P 500 is currently down 20% year to date. You know, you look at things like Tesla, 
their stock is down 66% year to date. That is a huge decrease in stock price. And how can you bring up Tesla's stock without at least mentioning what's happened with Elon Musk this year? Not that this is necessarily uh, collapse related. Maybe, maybe it really is. The fact that you have the world's billionaires, someone like Elon Musk, who was supposed to be this great example of innovation and leadership, and just watching the total meltdown and what's been happening with him. And, and I think we're witnessing the fall uh, of, of someone in his position. Uh, so that'll be interesting to watch for sure and see what happens with Twitter and all that stuff. Well, while you're on the topic of both the economy, the economic condition, and billionaires, I'll share that in the year 2022, three multi-billionaires own more wealth than the bottom half of American society. That's 160 million Americans. That just That's just the sign of a real healthy economy right there. Real <laughs> healthy financial situation for the world. Yeah, from a Guardian article that states, today 45% of all new income goes to the top 1%. And CEOs of large corporations make a record-breaking 350 times what their workers earn. Unbelievable. So it's wild to me that while we've got so much going on, so much chaos economically, that wealth gap just continues to widen. And it happened in 2021, and it happened again in 2022. And it's been interesting to watch the continued efforts to sort of suppress the middle class, working class, their ability to climb that class ladder, right? I know this was the previous year, but I think about things like the push against retail investors, everything that happened with GameStop. This year, uh, crypto has had a lot of issues, right? You think about Bitcoin, it's down 65% year to date. Dogecoin is down 58%. Ethereum, down 68%. So we're, we're witnessing a loss, quite a loss in a lot of those areas economically. And the total collapse of FTX and everything that's happened with SBF. I mean, talk about Wild West. It has been a journey this year if you're talking crypto. Yeah. Reality, I think, is hitting a lot of people in the head with things like crypto, NFTs, you know, realizing that well, I don't I don't need NFT bros coming at me for saying this, but that it's all uh, a bit of a scam. So along the same vein, we get into um, energy issues. Europe specifically has been facing a pretty epic energy crisis. Natural gas costs at one point were up 10 to 15 times their pre-war levels. We'll get into the war here in a little bit. Um, prices reached a height of $385 per megawatt hour for natural gas. Right now, they are down to 120-ish, which is a lot lower proportionally, but is still a lot higher than what it should be. And the reason that they are that low right now is because Europe just this last week announced a cap on natural gas prices. And, you know, a lot of economists think that that move is going to backfire. It's risky when you force um, prices because it can do a lot of things to, to an economy when you try and control it. And, you know, if, if it's not done right, if that backfires, it could actually result in whiplash prices and, and potentially even higher prices again. So you think about a lot of people right now in Europe who are facing the prospect of a winter in which they're paying, um, you know, not just 20 or 30 percent more than what they normally do, but two times, three times, five times what they normally pay to heat their homes. And there are a lot of people who will be unable to do so. We've got OPEC, which has been cutting production of oil throughout the year. They've made five cuts since April. And there's a lot to go into with that. Is it a responsible reaction to economic outlook? Or is there more under the surface in that OPEC can't produce, perhaps, the amount of oil needed in order to keep up with demand? It's not clear at this point. It's unknown. But we do know that the ability to produce oil has been hampered, uh, especially as we've been revamping supposedly right economies to previous levels back to sort of pre-2020 levels kellen you just explained that we have hit a record for the amount of greenhouse gas emissions 
uh, which signifies that we are increasing our demand for oil production. A lot of people have been expecting a peak demand, meaning that we weren't going to be faced with pressures from the, the supply side, shortages in supply, more we would cut the demand for it first because of renewables and other things like that. But the reality is that at least right now, we're not headed in that direction. We are continuing to increase our demand and there is every possibility that supply simply can't keep up with it. And so, you know, a lot of this economic madness that we're seeing, there's so many facets, so many things that go into that, but a lot of it is due to uncertainty brought on by an expectation of a recession and because of the war in Ukraine, between Ukraine and Russia. COVID-19 has had a huge impact on the last few years of our supply chains, all that aftermath, um, which caused inflation, the Fed's reaction to inflation now. The Fed, with their uh, rate hikes, right, their goal is to cause economic pain. It's not just a, a consequence of it. It is their direct goal. They want people to spend less money, which means they need to make less money. They're hoping for a cut in jobs. They're hoping that the job market suffers, which means they want people to be laid off. It's basically a, a forced recession. And maybe we'll get into this a little more when we talk about our predictions for next year. But, you know, 2023 may be the year in which they get what they want with their interest rate hikes. Okay, so how can we not turn from the economic issues here and, and not talk about what's happened between Russia and Ukraine? When we did this conversation in December of 2021, to look back on that year, it would have seemed so dramatic to make a prediction in saying something like, Russia will full-on attack Ukraine and there will be a massive war, right, on that continent. Like, people would have been like, oh, yeah, whatever. And as the rhetoric increased and as Russia started to amass troops on the border, there was so much denialism of anything happening right up until the moment that it did, which I don't blame at all because we've been seeing that sort of rhetoric for a long time. Russia has been making these types of claims for a long time. But in February of 2022, suddenly it all came to fruition. And that was just, at the time for me, an unbelievable escalation. And the impact that it has had on the world since can't be understated. Much of the supply chain issues and inflation that the world has been experiencing, so a lot of the economic issues have been due to this war. The response from the global community towards Russia with sanctions was swift. And the world, the Western world, had to be ready for some reciprocal issues from that. So much of the energy crisis and issues that we're seeing in Europe come from the fact that they sanctioned Russia and in return, Russia refused to send natural gas back. You had that whole issue with Gazprom and the big um, gas line under the ocean with those explosions, you know, and the refusal to send any gas from that point forward. It begs so many questions about the lengths that nations are willing to go to stand up to bullies like Russia, to stand up for democracy, but it also escalates the possibilities for world war because so many nations are being dragged into the consequences of the conflict. Numbers are really hard to estimate as far as internally uh, the number of deaths in Russia or from Russians and from Ukrainians. Last I checked, you know, maybe a month ago, the estimate was somewhere around 100,000 each. Ukraine has uh, done much more to protect themselves and defend themselves than was ever expected. Putin himself believed it would be uh, an incredibly easy two to three week invasion. They would go in there, they would take all of Ukraine, they would leave. Ukraine did not let that happen. But with all of the epic sort of consequences of this war between Ukraine and Russia and all the questions about whether other nations will be dragged into that conflict. We also have to recognize that it's not the only conflict happening around the world. I already mentioned uh, a bunch of internal conflicts happening in many different African nations. Uh, we have the Israel-Palestine issues that continue. They ebb and they flow. They might escalate and de-escalate. You have Iran and their continued threats, which 
are external facing right. And then they also have all of the internal issues right now with protests and potential revolution stemming from their modesty police. Um, a young woman was killed in their hands. And from there, those protests have just exploded. We saw, you know, an attempted coup in Peru and the arrest of the president we saw uh, in Afghanistan just recently with with all of the issue with the Taliban happening over the course of the last you know year year and a half now but even now the Taliban going back on their promises and not allowing women for example to study in university anymore the sort of human rights violations are continuing even to this day yeah one you haven't mentioned is Sri Lanka in 2022 i don't know if you remember Corey really intense anti-government protests, the demonstrations. A lot of it had to do with the economic crisis in the country. I remember there were some videos where people were kind of storming the, I guess, the capital. And it seemed like such a big, scary thing at the time. And, and I'm sure there's still so much going on in Sri Lanka and in these other countries that you've mentioned. And yet it's interesting how it just barely hits the news cycle and then it's gone and people forget about it. Yeah, you think of that conflict, you think of Ethiopia. And, you know, if you haven't heard a lot about what's going on in Ethiopia, you definitely should look into it, Google it. It's sad how little of it we hear about in the news. And yet it is affecting so many millions of people. And it's such tragic, dire consequences. You know, we did an episode recently on uh, union strikes in the US and in the UK. And just for, for to touch on some of the internal conflicts happening here at home. Mass shootings in the U.S. This year is set to be the second highest on record, with the first highest ever being 2021, last year. And we won't miss it by much. It's expected there will be around 650 mass shootings by the end of this month, and we surpassed the 2020 number all the way back in November. A few prominent shootings that happened this year, Robb Elementary School, where 22 Children and teachers were killed and 18 people were injured. That shed a lot of light into um, not just the preparedness of the police to protect in that capacity, but also their willingness to. The Independence Day parade shooting in Highland Park. It was in Illinois. Seven dead, 48 injured. Somebody basically posted up on the top of a grocery store and shot down into a crowd in a parade. We had the white supremacist uh, in Buffalo, New York, that killed 10 people in a supermarket. Just recently, there was a shooting in Chesapeake at a Walmart. A Walmart I had actually visited before I found out, which was uh, kind of interesting. A little bone chilling to realize that you've been in a place where there was a mass shooting. So the violence in the U.S. is not decreasing when it comes to shootings. Yeah, and I think that's just one symptom, one visible outcome of an underlying condition, which is this severe mental health crisis that's taking place. At one point, just recently, in fact, you know, there was a lot of publicity about a poll, a, a study that took place, the results of which are that nine out of 10 adults in the U.S. said they believe that there's a mental health crisis in the nation today. There was also a 2022 practitioner survey and this was primarily focusing on the difference between the start of the pandemic or before COVID-19 and now. But six in 10 practitioners reported that they no longer have openings for new patients. Nearly half, 46%, said they've been unable to meet the demand for treatment. And nearly three quarters, 72%, have longer wait lists than before the pandemic. And just to add to that, nearly eight in 10 psychologists this is 79%, said that they had seen an increase in the number of patients with anxiety disorders since the beginning of the pandemic, and 66% saw an increase in demand for treatment for depression. So the rates of depression and anxiety are increasing. People recognize this as a serious crisis, right? 9 out of 10 adults in the U.S., and yet the capacity that practitioners have to be able to handle all of that demand is not up to par. And I think that's a great segue into talking about the situation of our healthcare in the U.S. You've just mentioned mental health and the lack of infrastructure available to be able to help care for those people in need. And the same is becoming true of 
regular physical maladies as well. In 2022, regarding COVID-19, recorded deaths from COVID broke through the 6 million mark, and we're now up to about 6.6 million. Excess deaths, though, in the U.S. are abnormally high, and the same goes throughout the world. Though in the U.S., excess deaths are lower this year than they were in 2021 and 2020. That being said, COVID-19 reporting is practically a joke, right, at this point, because at-home testing means that people might be testing positive, but they're not going in, they're not recording that. Nobody knows when a positive test is coming through. And there's just a lack of testing overall. There has been this general feeling in the public that COVID-19 is gone. It's done with. We don't want to deal with it anymore. I don't see people masking up anymore. Very, very rare. And the conversation around COVID-19 has also run dry a bit, which means that it's just not top of mind for so many people. But of course, now here at the end of 2022, we have all these issues in China. Referring back to internal conflict, right? China had these massive protests over their COVID lockdown protocols, their, their zero COVID sort of rule. And they ended up lifting that. And with that, um, you know, I just read an article today that was talking about how body bags are really starting to fill up in China with the deaths from this COVID surge. They believe there is a new variant starting there. And they believe that up to 800 million people which is 60% of China and 10% of the U.S. population, could be infected by COVID from this variant in the next two months. So just uh, an unbelievable surge potential in China. And while it's unknown what the death rate is of this variant, for many people in China, this would be the first time being infected because they were so effective in the first place at keeping it down. And they are worried that it could overwhelm hospitals. And who knows what this will bring, if it will be as dramatic as they say, or if it will sort of peter out. But there is the potential for, again, renewed issues with our supply chains if manufacturing in China is halted. This winter has been an extremely above average one for the flu, for RSV and pneumonia. Respiratory sicknesses started about two months earlier this year than normal, and they've already reached peaks higher than average. Um, influenza usually peaks in February, but it's already contributed to hospitalization rates being the highest in over a decade this early in the year. For RSV, it's estimated that one out of every 70 babies six months old or younger have been hospitalized this year due to RSV. And that to me was, was a pretty unbelievable number. One in 70 babies under six months have been hospitalized already. And all of this in a healthcare system that has been strained by COVID-19, by supply chain issues, staffing burnout, shortages. You know, we did an episode on this. So for more on that, go listen to that episode. We saw multiple hospitals shut down this year, including some very large ones like the Wellstar Atlanta Medical Center, which shut down in October. It had suffered hundreds of millions of dollars and served tens of thousands of patients. We also had the monkeypox outbreak earlier this year. So it, there's just all of these different converging issues in a system that is highly strained. And even though we might think that COVID-19 is going away, even though it might seem that way, the issues that it has caused and will continue to cause in the healthcare system, I think will reverberate for years to come. Yeah, I think so many of these issues that we're talking about aren't just you know, one and done, like it doesn't just hit in 2022 and then we don't hear about it again. Instead, these are things that are just accumulating and we're continuing to see the impacts of them. A few things that we won't dive into, but that are at least worth mentioning, you know, in 2022, there was some research that was published that microplastics were found in the bloodstream. Like we've known that there has been research in the past that has shown, yeah, there are little traces, there are microplastics in certain organs, but to actually find it overwhelmingly in blood samples was really alarming. Other research indicated that we might have passed some big tipping points with methane and this feedback loop that's just going to cause more and more methane to be released into the atmosphere. There was some surprising, or maybe not surprising, but at least alarming research related to a steep decline in friendship and trust. Other research that indicated further 
decreases in sperm counts and other research and, and publications indicating that we are seeing in 2022 a severe amount of coral bleaching, even more than what was anticipated. And how about the political uh, situation that we find ourselves in here in 2022? It has been a really sort of fascinating, I think, to watch as everything's unfolded. We have this continuing polarization, at least within the United States, between the Democratic and Republican parties, and in my mind specifically amongst the far right and those who feel like they're a threat to democracy. You know, we saw a shift this year in uh, support for Donald Trump, maybe starting to shift away from him a little bit. Just this last week with his announcement of NFT, you know, he's becoming a bit of a of a clown, I think, to so many, even amongst his own party. It's becoming more obvious to them that he is in it for the grift. And I saw a lot of comments and tweets and things from maybe former supporters of Donald Trump saying, is he really just trying to take our money right now? Like, is he really trying to get us who are struggling to pay him for pictures on the internet? And so many responses to those saying, are you really just now seeing this? And not even in a rude way, but saying like, we're glad your eyes are opened. This has been what we've seen all along. Wish you would have saw this earlier, you know? And But it's scary because as they shift away from Donald Trump, they will potentially shift towards something worse, right? Uh, and what could be worse than Donald Trump? Well, somebody as bad as Donald Trump, but who knows what they're doing in a bureaucratic system. So somebody like DeSantis. I do feel like this year we saw more brazen sort of attacks and calls for violence against minorities and oppressed groups. We saw a lot of demonization of like the trans community, um, drag shows and things like that. And we're seeing that specifically from people high up in the political arena, right? Marjorie Taylor Greene, Carrie Lake, and some of these others that are becoming more unhinged. And so it is nerve wracking going into 2023 and uh, and wondering what's going to be next in the political sphere. So, Kellen, before we dive into just a couple of predictions, I do want to mention that if you've enjoyed this episode, if you like these annual recaps, then our Patreon would be a great place for you to be throughout the year. Because so much of what we're talking about here, we break them down and talk about them as they're happening week by week throughout the year. That's the whole purpose of those episodes. Any support that you give us through Patreon, if you do our $5 a month tier, that's $1.25 for each one of those episodes that we release. Those are a huge help to us in keeping the podcast running, being able to sort of upgrade the services that we're providing, and uh, we'll also take this opportunity to thank our current patrons. All right, jumping into predictions. So Kellen, just like last year, we have to make it very clear that these predictions are just for fun. You and I do not know the future Nobody does. It's kind of fun to be able to look back on predictions from the, the previous year and say, oh man, where did I just go completely wrong? And where did I get it right? So we're going to take the opportunity to just each give a little bit of an, a, an idea of what we think the, me the next year might bring. Maybe we'll be vague in some areas. Maybe we'll be really bold in other areas. But the, the important thing is to say that if you're listening to this, don't take these predictions as something that's going to happen. Don't make any choices in your life based on what Kellen and I are about to say. So with that being said, Kellen, after looking back on 2022 and some of the wild things we've been through, what do you think 2023 has in store for us? Yeah, I'll share a couple of them to start. One of them, since you just talked about politics, I think in the U.S., both sides, you know, Democratic and Republican parties are going to be more fractured. You mentioned that to many, Trump is becoming kind of a joke. And I think that's true, but he still has a very strong following. Very loyal and devoted fans behind him. Absolutely. And, you know, he's been a very polarizing character all along and already has kind of split the Republican Party in many ways. But I don't foresee him just stepping down. You know, unless he really does end up in jail, he's going to continue to push for the presidency. You mentioned DeSantis as kind of a front runner and 
he's polarizing in his own way. I think a lot of terrible things have happened over the last year, two years, just like we've reviewed this entire episode. And there's not a whole lot of confidence in President Biden. I don't think there ever was to start. (laughs) I think he got voted in because people didn't want the alternative. But it's just kind of an off-the-wall prediction. Who knows if this would really happen. But I could foresee Biden having some sort of like a health crisis or, you know, maybe an event or two in which he's trying to say something and it's clear that he's not at full mental capacity and that really destroys a lot of trust. And so I think on the Democratic side of things from that party, there's not like this big rallying behind Biden as, yeah, we want him to be our champion. It's more just like, well, he's who we've got to go with because he's the current president and he's running again. I think more and more with all of the polarization over the last handful of years, there's been talks of like third party and other candidates. And I don't think that will ever go anywhere because it's such a bipartisan system. But I think, you know, in the past, you go back a couple of decades and you're seeing like a united front on one side and a united front on the other side. And they have their debates and people choose a winner. But I think it's going to be a very fractured system in 2023. Interesting. I'll add to it that I think I think Donald Trump will get arrested. Do you? Yeah. I mean, I mean, and I say that and like, that's my prediction. That's my silly out there. I think he'll be arrested. I think like he'll be indicted. And I think it'll stand and it will go through. And I think that DeSantis will be the choice for 2024. I think that'll become pretty apparent pretty quick. But I agree that I think there will be a lot of fracture there. I Trump is not going to go down lightly, right? He's not going to go down easy. He has his followers that he knows will do anything for him. And I think that he will ask them to do everything for him. I don't know exactly what that means, but I, you know, I could see some shenanigans, some violence, um, from, from those followers as he goes down for, for the crimes that he's been charged with or that he will have been charged with. And maybe this is a bit dark, but I think Donald Trump will do everything he can to avoid jail. And unless he's given some like really soft, like house arrest or something, I think he doesn't end up going to jail. Take that however you want, I guess. And just talking about all this, it makes me anxious, you know, going into 2023 and thinking of getting into 2024. I don't trust the leaders that I see in the Democratic Party. And I don't trust the leaders that I see in the Republican Party. Absolutely. Politics in the U.S. is kind of a clown show right now. I mean, it's like you were talking about Joe Biden earlier and how like most people probably just voted for him because they didn't want to vote for the alternative. And it made me think of that Bo Burnham song from his outtakes from the inside. I'm sure most people haven't heard that, but the main line of the song is, you're really going to make me vote for Joe Biden is the best case scenario really Joe? Like, is that, is this really what we have to do? Like, I'm not going to vote for Trump, obviously. So I guess Joe's my guy, but, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And, and yeah, there's potential, like you said, for health issues. So that'd be interesting. I like that prediction. Obviously, Kellen and I, like, these are, it's just fun to go bold, right? If we don't go bold with these predictions, then what, what are we even doing? So, all right. Kellen's got his predictions politically. There's mine. Maybe a couple economic predictions, Kellen, about what the economy will bring this year. Do you want me to start this time since you started last? Actually, let me share a few thoughts on this. Do it. I think a lot is going to catch up to us this year. I think with all of the stimulus and some of the things that were taking place with such a bull market, there was a cushion that individuals and corporations and the government all had. I think we've burned through a lot of that cushion and a lot of individuals are going into debt. I think they're beginning to default on that debt. I think corporations had huge profit margins and that's been their cushion and now they're burning through that and their profit margins are shrinking. We've started seeing layoffs, at least in the tech industry, at a pretty alarming rate. I keep hearing about the macroeconomic state of things and economic headwinds And that's all over the place in the business world. Everyone kind of sees this going into 2023. 
I think this is maybe a little bit of a tangent, but I think that's going to cause companies, businesses, corporations to really tighten down and expect more of their employees. I think employees are already really burned out from everything over the last few years, especially with COVID-19, you know, the great resignation. And then we saw quiet quitting this year. I think people are just really tired of the daily grind. Now there's going to be more asked of them. So there will be some, I think, who are going to reverse a lot of what I see as positive cultural movements in the workforce, who are instead going to say, like, it's all about grind, grind. Back to the office. Yeah. 80 hours a week. No more of this work from home crap. Yeah, just kind of this attitude of like, you do whatever it takes, you give your whole soul to the company. Um, I think for most people, that's going to be off-putting to feel that pressure socially and to have more ask of them by their employers. And so I think we're going to see a lot of desperation. The fact that people have such high demands at work, they're defaulting on their debts at home. We're still seeing all the inflation and all the skyrocketed house housing prices while also seeing such high interest rates. And unfortunately, I think that's going to cause a lot more cases of people publicly acting out. I hate to say it, and I, I hope and pray this doesn't happen, but I think there will be more incidents of mass shootings. And I think we're going to just see more weird stuff. The kind of stuff we saw in 2020 when everyone was losing their mind and kind of Going to the streets, there were different protests, but there were also just people doing strange things like in grocery stores and yelling at, you know, the clerk at the cash register. A lot of like outbreaks and just like evidence of the social malaise, just anger. Yeah. And we talked about the political environment and the fact that we're becoming more polarized. I think there's just so much tension. We're at a little bit of a breaking point as we head into these economic headwinds. Yeah, I agree. I think up to this point through 2022, the economy has been sort of hanging on by its fingernails, right? Meanwhile, the Fed is there trying to push us off the cliff. They're stomping on our fingers, right? Trying to get us to let go. And I think this is the year that we do. I think the Fed gets what it wants, but I think that they overshot a little bit. They talk a lot about how reaction to the interest rate hikes by the Fed are usually pretty delayed and they can be by seven, eight, nine months. So it's hard for the Fed to know how much of their interest rate hikes are having an effect and when to stop. I think, you know, they have started to slow them back down at the end of the year because they're starting to see positive signs in the economy as far as inflation decreasing a little bit. They're starting to see layoffs in the workforce, stock market reactions, things like that. But I think it's very possible that those interest rate hikes mixed with the energy issues that we're seeing coming out of OPEC, you know, from Russia, mixed with supply chain issues from COVID-19, mixed with continued and unexpected conflicts and things that could happen in the coming year. I think we're going to see that descent. And uh, it's not to say that like, 2023 is going to be the Great Depression and the worst year ever. But I do think there will be a definitive recession, notable job loss and layoffs. I liked your prediction about not just saying like, oh, yeah, there'll be layoffs, but but being specific in saying that corporations are going to tighten up and demand more from their employees. I think that businesses will suffer quite a quite a lot and enough to to let a lot of people go. I think we'll see an increase in the unemployment rate. One area that I think might be interesting is with homes. Well, I think we'll see a little bit of a decrease in home prices. I don't think it will be proportionate to the decrease in inflation and the decrease, you know, the addition in, in joblessness. I think it will look like a stagflation scenario with homes because people will continue to be unable to afford homes and even more so as people are losing their jobs. But I think that home prices will remain stubbornly high and rent as well. I also think that there might be with the the economic issues, 
I really do think energy is going to play a big part in that. I think the conversation around energy is going to increase. Um, right now in Europe, it's a big talking point. I think it will become a bigger talking point here in the U.S., whether that's for things like natural gas or just gasoline in general, oil prices. And I made this prediction last year, and I'll stand by that prediction again this year, that I think that the sort of right-wing talking points for winning the election in 2024 will be primarily around making the U.S. energy independent uh, to fix the energy issues that we're facing. One that I don't necessarily have a lot of evidence to back it up. Maybe I'm just throwing it out as a wild guess, but I kind of think this is going to be the year that we see some really significant domestic terrorist attacks. I think we've seen some of that with like attacks on our power grid this last year, but I think it'll happen more from like a cyber attack angle. I don't know exactly what that would look like, but I could see some very big attacks on our infrastructure, attacks on, you know, government organizations, I think, even in terms of massive leaks of personal data. There's so much going on right now with Twitter, and it seems like it's kind of imploding. Everything that's taken place with Elon Musk, you know, who knows what'll happen with Twitter. I, I don't think Twitter's going to die. I think it's going to still remain strong, but I could see some vulnerabilities there and people seeing an opportunity for some attacks. I think you know, we're seeing the government currently just recently passed a bill banning TikTok from government devices because there's a security threat there. We just mentioned all these layoffs in the tech industry, all these cloud-based systems where people have all of their information. I think there's going to be less money put towards security as these businesses tighten down. So maybe all of that is just rumbling around in my head. And that's why I think this could be the year that we see some kind of scary things from a cyber attack, especially from, you know, domestic terrorists. All right. There's a bold claim. See how that pans out. The last one that I have here is just in regards to the climate. Um, I think we'll start to shift in 2023 away from La Nina into an El Nino. And I think, you know, that's, that's not based on some bold, crazy prediction I'm making. It seems like that is a very real possibility. I think that 2023 may not see huge impacts from the start of that transition. I think 2024 is going to be worse off in that way. But I do think that we'll start to see some noticeable changes, right, in uh, how warm things are this year in the Arctic, for example. I think it'll be, we, we didn't hear anything about the Arctic really this last year because it was a not record-breaking melt year, you know, but I think 2023, it'll ramp up and be at least really close. And then I think 2024 is going to be more epic. So, Kellen, I'm springing this on you here at the very end of our episode. I think we should each come up with one quick prediction that is just extraordinarily specific and bold. There's just no way it's going to happen. But if it did, it would just be home run out of the park, Hail Mary, <laughs> slam dunk. Mixing a lot of sports terminology here. Yeah, and I only know what half of them mean. But take a second, Kellen, and, and let's come up with a quick crazy out there prediction oh man Corey, this is tough especially because with the predictions i already gave i tried to be more bold than i felt comfortable being sure i'm talking like like predicting that donald trump would come out with an nft line bold you know like no one that's stranger than fiction no one could have predicted that donald trump this year would have come out with a bunch of nfts of him looking ridiculous and uh making a, a whole bunch of money off of that so we're talking about that level all right here we go somebody who's a prominent figure in the u.s i'm gonna say like a celebrity in fact you want it specific who's a who's a celebrity i could let's say dwayne johnson Dwayne The Rock. All right. The Rock. He is going to say something that is going to be really offensive to China. China, who's already kind of friends with Russia, right, is going to declare open war against the U.S. Oh, snap. That's a bold claim. All right. I hope that doesn't come true. <laughs> Can you imagine? I also hope it doesn't come true. All right. I think that a serial killer will pop up. Now, we haven't had like like a real like serial killer, you know, since like before the 2000s, this serial killer will target the ultra wealthy and just one by one, they'll start 
dropping dead. And there will be no evidence clues, like there will be no leads to who this person is. And it will cause all sorts of a stir. I can only imagine the kind of disruption if the ultra wealthy started dropping dead. Yeah. All right. There's our predictions. Hold on. I feel like I got to throw in one more. Okay. I got one more too. So go ahead. On a more positive note. Ooh, positive. Come on. <laughs> Come on, son. This isn't a place for positive <laughs> stuff. There's going to be a major discovery, Ooh. a certain chemical compound or something that we haven't found before. It's going to open up a totally revolutionary battery technology. Nice. Some sort of resource that is very plentiful we're going to be able to use to store energy. It's going to totally change the way we look at the, re- the energy problem. All right. Get this. Your prediction is going to bounce off of my prediction because we're going to have a real life don't look up situation happen where a comet or some sort of planet killing threat is going to be found uh-huh. and it's going to have the entire world thinking that the world's going to end and the government is going to go out of its way to mess up the whole thing the one chance to save us and it will all be for greed because they'll find that one material that you're talking about on the comet <laughs> just like in the show <laughs> wow these are yeah these are we're getting a little these better not happen. I mean, it's not super creative when you just rip off a movie plot. Yeah, that's valid. You got me. Here's the final prediction. Oh boy, we're not done. 2023, we will finally launch our other podcast that we've been talking about for more than a year. That might be the least likely of all the predictions that we've said. <laughs> no, I agree with that prediction. We're going to make it happen. Yeah, we're so excited about kind of the next step, the next logical step. Of course, we want to keep discussing what we're seeing in terms of collapse that's so important to spread that awareness but we also want to open up the conversation about resiliency with the understanding that we have and kind of the unique perspective that we have as we've been working on what our framework looks like for resiliency yeah i love that maybe maybe we should have as a prediction but more of more than a prediction a manifestation that we will grow the podcast both podcasts enough to be able to quit our jobs and do this full time and really be able to give our time and attention to the topic. It's a dream of mine. It's a dream of yours, Kellen. We'll keep working towards it. But uh, happy, optimistic, positive thoughts for 2023, except for all those other predictions we made, which are not any of those things. Happy New Year, my friends. That's right. We can make it a good year despite all the bad. Thanks for listening, and here's to a a happy 2023. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.